Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello. Welcome to Five Things, the podcast where we bring all my favorite funny people and we ask them five things. I'm your host, Rosh Abdullah. Five Things is presented by Bad Dog Theater. Bad Dog Theater is a Toronto comedy school and improv theater devoted to unscripted performance. They host classes and shows in person and online. Check out baddogtheater.com to get tickets or enroll in class today. Five Things, it's a classic improv warm-up game. We use it to get performers out of their heads. Usually a performer will ask another to state five things from a category as fast as they can. We will be playing Five Things with today's guest. We've got multidisciplinary artists, playwriting, creative nonfiction, sketch, stand-up, improv, musical comedy. We've got Tionda. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, Tia. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Tia is actually also one of my oldest friends as well. I I, I say oldest as in, I, I don't know people for that long, but we went to university <laughs> together. Yeah, it's been a long time, like over 10 years we've known yeah. each other. Yeah, that's pretty long. I've admired you so much for 10 years, so I'm so excited to have you on because uh, I really I love talking to you and I love how your brain works. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for asking me to be on the show. That's uh, very kind of you. I admire you, too, and I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> thank you. This is going great so far. Uh, Tianda, <laughs> okay, my five things questions for you the, for the warm-up. This is a little uh, – I feel like this could be hard – so take your time if you want. But what are five reality TV shows that don't exist, but you would like to watch? Because I feel like you would love some good reality, like some good, bad reality TV. Yeah. Um, well, right off the bat, I've thought of I thought of this for a while. I would love to see a reality TV show of in like a foster home and like a yeah. good home. Like, I think that would be funny and like sad and interesting. <laughs> um. I'd watch it. Yeah, maybe like a show at like a rich, a really rich kids camp, like a really rich kids horse camp, Ooh, like Saddle yeah. Club, but reality TV, you know? Yeah, they also yeah. don't have a lot of, I feel like there's not a lot of camp stuff. Yeah, I haven't seen much camp stuff. Which there's is like, a whole market. It's weird that there's not a lot of camp stuff. Yeah. Um. What, what else? Hmm. Yeah, I gotta think, gotta think about it. And you can uh, make, like, if you're like, I want a reality show about how the dinosaurs, how they lived, what, because then you could see what they look like if they actually had feathers, if they uh, could do anything. Okay. Mm. I feel like I'd be interested in a reality show about, like, behind the scenes at, like, a really popular, like, crystal store or something. You know, how there's, like, tattoo shop shows and, like, cake store shows like a really interesting crystal store yeah like I, had a, I had a friend who worked at at one and sh- and the, the stories were wild so really like can you get can you share some <laughs> okay yeah so one time um my friend went in and her boss was like listen I can I can feel um that we're being attacked by the by the crystal store in the east end so we need to <laughs> <laughs> we need to like put up a shield <laughs> So my friend had to like stand in the cor- each corner of the store and say like these chants while holding rocks to protect them from the evil vibes of the other crystal store across town. <laughs> and why and- didn't the like owner, why did sh- your friend have to do it? Because, you know, she, the, the, the boss was busy doing other boss things. So she had to delegate these tasks to her, her workers. It was. It seemed like it was a, a difficult place to work. <laughs> that is very funny. Actually, that's. I would watch. I would really watch. That. I didn't know they. Uh... Okay, that makes. Okay, I would watch that. Just just yeah, hexing yeah. other people <laughs> the whole show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was three, um, four. Um. Uh, I don't know. Maybe if this. Maybe this exists, but I feel like a prank show. But it's like pranking like billionaires and politicians you know that'd be good that would be funny i love i love pranking 
Yeah, you know? they would get really mad. Do you know that yeah. on the, the episode, the Zach Braff's episode of Punked featured, um, it's a, they hired a bunch of kids to fake spray paint his new Porsche. But what they edited out of the episode was that uh, when Zach Braff caught them, the kids ran away and he was chasing them. He caught one of the kids <gasps> and punched him in the stomach. It was like 12-year-old kid. And he punched him in the stomach and they took it out of the episode, obviously. But the thing is, like, that fact I, is because Zach Braff has stated, like, it's not, he he tells the story and he laughing about it. Wow, he proudly <laughs> tells the story of punching yeah, yeah, 12-year-old. Yeah. I don't know who Zach Braff is. I'm Googling that right now. That's the, the okay, garden okay. snake guy, the scrubs guy. Yeah, I recognize him. Okay. Okay. Um, And then maybe, like... I don't know. I love like musical theater. So I'm like, maybe, but I feel like those exist, like shows about like backstage, you know, audition processes and stuff. Those are. Yeah, but if you could niche it up and like add something to it that makes it so it's like a backstage musical show, but there's something about it that doesn't exist, what would you want to see? Um, I don't know. I really, maybe like, maybe like, people at a, at a school competing for a part because people get like really intense and, and catty and that can be funny to watch yeah. yeah yeah I went to an art <laughs> school and uh it was it that was the always the drama was funny yeah when that like the popular kids were the musical theater kids mm-hmm. so the the drama of the school was always yeah like who got what part and who was in what show and I was like this is this television taught me that high school would be very different Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that I think that's five, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's five. Yeah, good job. Okay. Thank woo. You. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. What is your favorite reality show? Do you have one? Do you watch reality TV? Um, not so much anymore. I used to really like Housewives. Like I used to mm-hmm. watch that, and that made me laugh. Probably, probably just Housewives. Yeah, that's just about like rich, rich people, right? Just living. Yeah, really like ridiculous, like out of touch, uh, wealthy women. Um, a little while ago, actually, I microdosed and I did a little, a little too much, you know. And I had a friend coming over, and I was, I felt like a little out of it and nervous. And to, to like center myself, it just seemed I was like the, the the perfect thing to watch right now is this like clip from Housewives. It's it's and it, it did it centered me. What was the clip about? It was like Bethany Frankel <laughs> in a feud with. Um, it was an old clip. Um, with I forget her name, but I don't know. Just something about it. I was like, these these gals are so crazy. Wow. <laughs> you yeah. just made your friend watch. <laughs> you know no, no, I did, I watched it before they came, and oh, I was okay. like, oh, this is this is making me feel normal again. Like <laughs> they're weird. I'm I'm not weird. <laughs> um, I like your first answer. You said you in a home, like an orphanage home. I like that one because um, something that when I. I uh, I talked about I like how I admire you and your comedy because the one thing I think that you do really well is like just truth, and you you talk about how you were um like a child of the ward or what is the term like a ward a crown ward a crown, crown ward. ward yeah crown yeah. ward and you talk about it uh, really openly and and you but you have like such a good like there's so much humor in it even though it's can be like a sad or serious topic and I always wondered like do you feel like you personally you see the funny and traditionally serious topics or do you feel like like do you when you do find it in the moment or is it kind of like a way to like the humor is a way to pad sort of things being uncomfortable or people being uncomfortable with certain topics um I think it's both I think it's both like I really do find certain things hilarious and even like I have some foster siblings that I am still in contact with and when we get together and like you know remember some horrible times like we laugh so hard because it's just it's so funny and even you know like when you're in a really serious situation and you're like trying not to laugh for some reason you get that urge to laugh like that would happen in the moment too Mm -hmm. and then also for sure I think that like talking to people when whatever childhood comes up like being like oh I grew up in foster care or in group homes or whatever like that is can be heavy or like intimidating for people mm-hmm. and so the ability to make it lighter with humor um definitely helps like connect with people for sure um and like puts them at ease and it's something 
that uh, I've been doing for a long time, like just in life, like conversationally. And then also it translates really well on stage, I find. So yeah, both, I think, yeah. I, I agree. I think you do it really well. For me, sometimes if I'm like going to drop some piece of information uh, with on people that don't know me well, or, or this is a piece of information that they don't know uh, about me, but it could be, I just kind of like drop it and move on. Like I say it as if it, and I... I, like it's one of those things where it's like I don't know what's the best how people are going to best receive this. Um, mm-hmm. So I just uh, but I really you're as you as a storyteller the humor and the, even um, the other day what was it Father's Day that you were sharing uh, it was on your story you shared uh, mm-hmm. like like a, a, a funny story and I just love because you're like I never told anyone this <laughs> like, and now I'm just sharing <laughs> it on Instagram stories and you're like no I didn't tell anyone this it was so I thought it was a really funny story. I can see how at the time it would be like sad or weird or, or whatever. And you're like, I just can't tell anyone. But I just like mm-hmm. that you do that. Yeah, well, I, I didn't that story. I didn't want to get like my dad in trouble or whatever. Yeah. Like and um, yeah, I just didn't want to. I, I think I told friends like at school, like I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Something I I didn't share with like social workers and stuff for sure. <laughs> Yeah, because I'll have the memories of like my childhood or something and I'll say them and then people are and I'm laughing because I'm like, isn't that wild or isn't that just and people and people are like, oh, like they kind of get serious and it. I don't like it because I don't want to feel like I'm supposed to feel bad about the no, it's whatever exactly happened. like it's your life, right? Um, yeah, I think sometimes people can be scared. And then if you're able to kind of put it like make them not scared, right? Like adding that sort of like aesthetic distance of a performance, whether it's like um you're doing silly voices or you know you're just a little bit transformed as you're as you're telling the story kind of puts people at ease it's a bit of a mm-hmm. performance yeah yeah and do you feel like that's shaped and helped you with your style of comedy um yeah I think for sure yeah I also think that um in my comedy I try not to talk too much about uh childhood stuff in foster care and um you know I feel like it I never want to seem like all I talk about is is trauma or childhood like um you know I also want to talk about whatever current stuff so yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I like I like seeing you and doing shows because your uh your humor is very like what's like what I want to listen to or hear when you talk about like Drake being into peace stuff you're like Drake must be into peace stuff like he's got it's just like the silly I just I that's the I like that I like that stuff I just want to like shut my brain off too sometimes um Mm -hmm. uh there's like a lot of things of like isn't this relatable and then there's just stuff that that isn't but it's happening in the like it's it's relative and I really like that style Mm -hmm. that you do uh so you so you're I'm looking at your bio and you've got like so much on here yeah you were listed at the Yale School of Drama received uh, stage readings with Obsidian Theater, uh, funding from the Ontario Arts Council. You worked as the editor for the fifth season of Schitt's Creek, and you're on the Bob Curry Fellowship at the Toronto Second City. That's a that's quite a career. So uh, it's and it's progressed, it's evolved. Because like when we met in school, we uh, I don't know if we if it was the class we were in a playwriting class. I don't know if that's where we met or was it the sketch troupe. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure they would have probably been around the same time. The same time, yeah. Um, was it what playwriting class was it? I mean, that's. Um, I think the uh, teacher was uh, Lazarus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that might have been before we met in the sketch thing. But yeah, yeah. Um, that was fun. Yeah, I really like playwriting. Um, it's a lot of fun, and yeah, it's it's interesting to hear like those things listed from my bio and it sounds like a lot like sometimes it doesn't feel like a lot you know and I'm like whatever insecure insecure that I haven't done enough so it's always interesting to hear how other people like see whatever the things listed on your resume and so many of those experiences too like weren't positive um oh really yeah for sure like they were you know really difficult and depressing like I didn't enjoy them and so you know but they're still good credits I guess <laughs> yeah that um, is inter- that's a weird thing where you do something and it wasn't a good time or a good experience but you have to put it on this resume because it's just like I accomplished this thing you're mm-hmm. so right that like a resume can look really accomplished and full but you looking back on it knowing those experiences it's uh it's a different yeah it's it would totally it'd be different uh, if not everything was a pleasant 
that's yeah and like if I didn't take much from it you know and sometimes Mm -hmm. I I question I'm like should I even list that like is there is there a question of integrity there like is like do I have to put it on and you know why do I want to put it on and whatever I know I actually feel like I don't put anything on my body I kind of take things out I feel weird about I always feel weird about that like that because it feels braggy or it's like look what I've done done." and I get it like I get the whole point of it Mm -hmm. um but I constantly am comparing what it's like is this allowed to make the bio and then if you've already listed things it's like well this is not as good as that thing so I'm constantly keeping things out of it of like what's worthy and it's so weird because it's like it's my bio I get to decide what's on here and it's also just a fact it's like it's like I did this thing Mm-hmm. It's true. And you know, it can go both ways. Like sometimes you're like, Oh, I don't want to sound braggy. But if you have it really short and put nothing on it, then you know, I'm worried people are like, Oh, is she so like insecure? Why does she undersell her- herself? You know? Um, so yeah, it's hard kind of trying to find that balance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we've talked about like sort of like doubt in comedy because I there's times where I've been like thank you so much for for saying that thing or making that post somewhere because it's like that's what I was thinking and I want to say that or sometimes I've like posted things and then taken it down you're like oh I appreciate that like why did you take it down I Mm -hmm. will doubt my voice or doubt where I can express things especially things that aren't uh if something is serious it's like how much do I wrap it in comedy or how much am I allowed to say this thing uh I, I feel like um, the older I get, the more doubt I have. I feel like I had a lot less self-doubt when I was younger. For sure. For sure. I think just also feeling like overexposed too. sometimes if you share something really serious or that you really believe in, um, you post it and then you just feel so overexposed, I find, um, and want to take it down. <laughs> yeah. Do you do that? Do you like, is that, do you often share something and then take it down or have you gotten in a habit of being like, no, no, sit with this. It's, it's okay. Um, I used to do it a lot. And then honestly, I feel like I've just started sharing less. (laughs) Um, and I mean, it's interesting because it's like, it's always on social media, right? And it's like, you have these interesting ideas or interesting things you want to say, and then you share them on social media and feel overexposed, but you know, you don't have to share it on social media. You there's other ways to share. And so I think I try nowadays that like, if there's something I'm really thinking about, to kind of sit on it for myself and think about what it could mean in different mediums, like rather than just to post on social media, like, can I write a play about this? Or can I write a long form essay about this that I want to share on my blog or whatever, right? Um, that's yeah, true. that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's really true. Yeah, I feel like if I have a thought in my head, it's like, what, how can I get this out the fastest so that I can kind of like solidify that's like, this is my idea, kind of get in before mm-hmm. it's oversaturated. Yeah. There's like a panic of that, right? You're like, oh, I have this cool idea. I need to get it out right away, you know, (laughs) Yeah. before somebody else does or, or to show how smart I am quickly, you know? Um, But I think it's, it's worth it to like, you know, you know, sometimes sit on those ideas and let them grow or think more about why they matter and what else they could connect to. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I I like that sitting on that. Have you found that that's been helping you since you started doing that, has it been working for you? Uh, yeah, I find it does help. I find it does help. I like, I'm just like, you know, less stressed about social media. And I feel like sometimes with social media too, like you want to share something and you don't necessarily want to have a big debate about it or have a big engagement about it. Right. It's about right. sharing the thing you've said. And um, so, yeah, I think by not posting it on social media, sometimes people like, yeah, they're they're less likely to want to fight you about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I like that. How are you finding? Uh, are you taking a break from social media? Are you trying to get away from it? Uh, ideally, I would like to be off of it completely. Like, I don't have Facebook. I don't have Twitter. Um, I have Instagram, and and I feel like I'm on that a lot. Like scrolling. I don't mm-hmm. find. I think I don't think I'm sharing a lot um, these days. And ideally, I'd like to be off it, but it's hard, you know, because um whatever like I feel like I get uh, people message me on there for shows a lot and just like the illusion yeah. of of this is how I have to be connected with people this is how friendship needs to work um you know there's that fear of being disconnected but I I really think that is an illusion and that um you know texting is is exists email 
exists in that um, when you want to connect with people, you will, like you'll find a way. Like my partner doesn't have any social media and people are always like, how do you make plans? Like how do you stay in touch with people? And he's like, we text or whatever. Yeah, I like that. I want to go back to texting for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, I definitely had the Mm -hmm. fear uh, just before pandemic that if I wasn't constantly doing things and people weren't seeing me, then I would be forgotten. It was, it felt like it was like in out of sight, out of mind because it, it just also, yeah. When I stopped, if I didn't see people or, or anything, then I wasn't, if you're, if you've just seen someone, you're kind of like top of mind if they have a show. And Mm -hmm. so I was, I feel like we had to be uh, always visible like in everyone's yeah. face, whether it was in person or, or online. And I've, I've also stopped sharing as much. And uh, I pre- I like it more. And I do l- also like that people don't know what's going on with me. <laughs> like we mm-hmm. we have this weird like entitlement to know what people are doing and what – I don't want people to know what's what's happening in my life. I don't want people to know who I know and what's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think um, relationships like romantic and friendships can be hard – to manage with like visibility on social media, right? With, uh, I don't know, just everyone seeing or like then, I don't know, friendships and all relationships can become so performative, you know, when we're constantly posting them. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, I find it easier to manage relationships with people kind of like one-on-one and, and not in a kind of like cliquey performative sense. I don't know. <laughs> Which I feel like uh, it's hard to get away from in the comedy community, the comedy world. Not that it's cliquey and like I, everyone's so kind and so nice, but um, just bubbles as with anything when you get when you get into a bubble. But yeah, your comedy journey. Why don't you t- take me through? Are you uh, where you want to be? Are there more goals for you? And how did you get to where you are now? Um, I. It's interesting, like, get to where I am now. Like, I'm not really sure where that is. (laughs) Um, But uh, I started doing stand-up, I think, in 2015. Um, And after graduating from Queens, where I I did drama, I was just always told, like, you should do stand-up. Like, you're so funny, you know? You should should do stand-up. You'd be so good at stand-up. So um, that's kind of why I started doing it. And after the first show I did, which was Yas Queen, that Nilu Handa ran mm-hmm. um it went well and other producers um would just ask me to do sets and book me and so that's how I started doing shows and kind of how I still do shows I just when a producer asks me to do a set like if I if I want to do the show then I do the show um I, I really don't have that kind of like stand-up uh grinding mentality Mm-hmm. like the most shows that I'll do in a week is like three and that's a busy week for me um I think there's a lot yeah right like so, or sometimes I'll perform just like once or twice a month mm-hmm. um and that can be enough for me too I think like in terms of like goals in comedy I've never really had big goals in comedy um I guess I've never been like that passionate about specifically stand-up comedy um, I like to write and I like to perform and I like to make people laugh mm-hmm. and stand up is convenient because it's all it's those three things put together. So it's just a really great way for me to be um, doing art, you know, uh, engaging in art. It, it feels good. Um, I feel like I have a decent amount of content now, like stand up content that I could do like a, a long show or perform an album. So that's something I'm thinking about. But um, I feel like my kind of artistic goals are kind of lay outside of comedy honestly like um I just want to do more playwriting and maybe some acting and like music I don't know I I like comedy um but I guess I, I don't see myself as like um particularly like just a comedian comedian right yeah comedian yeah What's your, what's something that you'd like to accomplish in the next writing uh, wise? What would you, what kind of play would you like to write? What is, give me the storylines, give me the plots. If you're like (laughs) comfortable saying, sharing. Uh, There are like a few plays that I've been sitting on for a while and kind of slowly working on. Uh, One that I've thought about for a while and have been working on recently is about, um, I don't want to like, you know, give, give too much of it away. 
uh, but it's about little free libraries um, and nice. yeah, a community where there's this older white woman who is has a little free library and is really uh, competitive with her neighbor who has a little free library and like um, just sort of her world and her son comes to visit with uh, his partner and it's about this uh, white woman's uncomfortable with her son being in an interracial relationship and trying to control him and also trying to control her image in the community through the little free libraries and yeah. I love that. Again, I think it's great. And I always, cause I remember you remember I said that something like you'll post something so honest and so real. It's like you've posted things about um, things that I before, and then it like blew up later as like people like, Oh, taking note of it. And I've always like Tia said that first, like Tianda mm-hmm. has always been saying that. And one of the things was like the little free libraries and how they're in these like predominantly white upper class neighborhoods. But it was like, if, you know, if certain uh, people were to be looking through them, then it's like how fast would the cops be called like those libraries are only kind of they're for yeah. a show or they're for a certain type of person and I always so now every time I see one I think of that like every time I walk mm-hmm. in the neighborhood I see it I, I always think of that that statement that you made and I was like she's right so I think that'd be a fantastic play yeah I think those are they're always little free libraries are always really close uh, to really nice actual libraries too, right? Which I think is interesting. Like the, the nicest libraries in the city are often have the most little free libraries around them. Um, but it's nice to, and I remember when I made that post like years ago on Facebook, it, so many people I, I was close with like got really angry at me for it. And it was kind of like eye-opening um, the things that set people off and the things that people kind of hold dear to them and like sentimental virtue signaling. Uh, right stuff but it's and i it's nice to see now that there's more uh like community fridges and stuff right and at the time i was like you know like books books have this like special place in um kind of like white culture right like that reading is so special and reading is great like i love i love reading um but i don't know i think uh it's a little bit of a luxury are, kind of it's like once you've got your basic needs met like you, you're good for food what are we going to focus on and it's like books which yeah. is like you're right it's it is fantastic and it's yeah but or just looking looking down on people who don't read right or like right. being proud of your kids for reading more than other kids or like you know yeah actually that's, that's so interesting this is what i mean like you have such interesting points that i'm like that's true like that's so true you also i remember you posted about ariana grande um being white before or European before um like it, and, then, and then people were arguing it so much and then when you know it kind of became big in the media then everyone was on that like then it it shifted it was like when you said it people disagreed with you but whatever the the narrative sh- shifted at a certain time everyone was so anti-Ariana um but I was always <laughs> like Tia said it first like Tia said it, these <laughs> things first uh, I'm sure there's other people who are saying it too Right. But um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, um, it's that like double think, right? Like, and people, some of the people who would like argue with me the most, I feel like then, you know, a few years later it would be, would right. be saying the opposite, the loudest, but um, that's what, yeah, that's what I mean. It's never like, kind it, of acknowledged to me, like even yeah. friends and stuff, but a lot of, a lot of people I don't really talk to anymore, you know, honestly. Uh, makes sense. Right. I guess that's how you, would, <laughs> you see you, um, who yeah not even who you want to associate with because I feel like we don't even like all the people that I have on Facebook and Instagram and I'm not seeing them in real life and I'm not really associating with them um mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah the I feel like get you do get to know people's values through the social media as well kind of e- an easier way than just talking to someone because it's like they will tell you what they believe in yeah and also you get a sense of like how people um kind of perceive you and you know I feel like it would be like I would say something and people would get would be would want to fight me about it. And I was like, I was just saying it because it's because it's funny, you know, <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I wasn't looking to uh, offend anyone. But, so people know. are ready to go, though. People are ready to, to yeah. argue. And you're like, I don't I'm not even interested in getting involved. I just had a point. I said it. Yeah, take it or leave it. I didn't want it to, like, start a fight. But <laughs> that happens. Yeah. And. If that does happen, are you kind of just, you still don't engage or? Um, 
I feel like it, it doesn't happen as much anymore because um, I don't I don't share as much online anymore, like I said, and maybe that will change. Um, but I feel like I often would would engage right and, and kind of but try to keep it light, right? Like try try to still keep it like um, funny. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think that's all that's what you can do. Um, I think it's really funny when people do get involved in the, like the comment section and fights and it's kind of like for what it's like, okay, where's this gonna go? It's, mm-hmm. it's just really funny watching two people go at it. Yeah. <laughs> now we're gonna take a little break and return with your guest Tianda. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back with Tianda. Oh, uh, I want to. Yeah, I want to go back. You said you, uh, you, you like you wanted to do more writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like that, you didn't want to keep things strictly to to comedy. What are some stories that you want to share and tell? Um, there's a lot of like essays. Um, I have some essays that are like written, you know, that I've written years ago and just haven't hasn't felt like the right time to share that uh, to share them for me personally. At like uh, just stuff about foster care, um, a lot of those stories. Uh, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of essays that I want to share. I don't know. Do you want like um, details or? It's or... whatever you feel comfortable <laughs> with. I don't want to, if you feel like you're going to put it out and you're like, I don't want, I don't want to share too many details because people will be seeing that. Then, um, so you don't have to get too involved. I just be like, what are the things that are pushing you story-wise that you, you're like, this is a story I need to tell. Um, I think definitely like a lot of stuff surrounding like uh child welfare and the sort of like invisibleness of of children in care really always is motivating me to write and um um kind of the institution of family like how Mm -hmm. that's pretty invisible too and I, I think it really keeps people trapped in a lot of ways um I I think I want to like write stories and write about things um fiction and nonfiction that um empower people to um kind of really be aware of the the connections in their lives you know especially with with family like I think you know we talk about especially in the last few years racism and um educating people you know and like standing up to um your parents or your your racist uncle or whoever it is, right? Um, but I think, um, I don't know, people, I think people don't take that seriously enough. And, you know, if you have a friend who's really racist or, you know, a partner who's who's really racist or or hateful in whatever way they are, you know, you, you cut them off. But I think that, like, I want to encourage people to do that more with family, with, like, blood yeah. family. Yeah. Um, because I, I think people think it's so uh, impossible, but you know those people are, aren't entitled to be in your life, I guess. And I think that's like how so much change will happen in the world. Yeah, yeah. More there's this happen. weird thing where you have to for this idea that it's like family is family, and you have to stick with them no matter what they do. And it's a very dangerous idea mentality. And it's 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 so weird if you cut. Uh, a family member off or even like distance yourself like if you were not getting along with a friend you would just kind of like take a break from that friend and it wouldn't even need to be a big deal you kind of just would like text them less or if they were like let's hang out you just keep saying you're busy or something just to give yourself that space but you don't really you can't do that with family yeah I guess you can but it's like a weird thing to do it's really hard to have those boundaries with family right because they would they just feel so entitled to you yeah 
Yeah, and I'm mm-hmm. still learning those boundaries as well. Like every day, I realize to this day that I still have, like, I'll say something to my mom, and then I realize, like, oh, I that's I gotta set that boundary. That's just something that we've been doing for so long, or we've been talking about for so long, or whatever that I have been questioned. Um, and it's small things that I wouldn't even think about um, in ways of which she tells me that it's like, oh, I still want you to do this, or I still want you to keep in contact with this person. It's like weird that you're forcing me to keep a relationship with someone or forcing or not forcing, but asking me to. And I'm starting to realize the things that I'm doing out of my own benefit to appease someone else. Yeah. And those things, I think they really like take a toll on us, you know, more than we realize, like they take time out of our life. They, they affect like how we think and stuff and what we feel like we can do with our time and how we can show up authentically in the world. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there are people who will um, who will never fully come out or will never come out to their family. Like, you know, that's if so they're true. queer. And I think that's, um, that's sad. It's interesting. And um, yeah. And I just think like we, people could be so much more free if they weren't, uh, you know, tied by the chains of family a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I spent um, not that my family's not um, uh, like loving and supportive. It's just uh, I think my parents for so long have still in their mind have this idea of who they want me to be, and so I just got to a point like last summer where I was like, you know, I'm I'm just always gonna feel like a disappointment around my parents. Like I'm just it doesn't matter how much they love me or they're they're proud of me. I'm just never gonna be the version of the daughter that they had in their eyes, and so I had to like manage my expectations every time I saw them I was like I'm gonna feel this feeling um mm-hmm. but it, it's that thing of like that when I'm, when I'm like it's so weird because I'm an adult and I'm still f- realizing the these boundaries or these things of like uh just that of like I'm not I'm, I can't be this for you I can't do that for you exactly and I think it really is can be such a big switch for people like who they are around their family and you know people talk about there's not, you know, people are multifaceted. Like the version of yourself that you are around your family is still real. The version you are of yourself with your friends is is still real. And that may be true, but like, you know, what does it cost you? It may be real, but yes. like it's it's painful. And that can like, you know, affect your health. Um, yeah. Sure. Or even the idea that I think I was trying so hard to be the, my authentic me in front of my family or in front of my parents that it was like, it's actually just easier to play a part. It's not that I'm being fake and I'm not being, like I'm still being a, a version of Roche, but I'm being um, like family Roche where it's just like, you know what? I'm not going to share all these things with my, like my parents don't need to know this stuff. So they're getting the bear. They're not getting anything from me of my personal life. Um, but that's just so much easier than being my authentic self. Like I don't feel, I think before I used to feel like I was losing where I wasn't being um, as on, like authentic or whatever, if I couldn't be fully me. But now I'm starting to see that it's like, I, j- I can't be fully me and that's okay. Like, I don't feel bad about it. It's not like, oh, what, this is sad that I can't be this version of Roche in front of my parents. It's just like, this is just better for all. If I'm, and it's not that I'm hiding or pretending to be someone. It's just like, I'm just this version. Like I'm the, I'm the daughter Roche. You know, I'm not going to be mm-hmm. friend. When I'm with my parents, I'm not going to act the same way that I, am with them in front of my friends I'm just gonna be I'm gonna act with my parents the way that I'm act in front of them and it's a certain way that's gonna make my life easier mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's being fake anymore I just feel like it's being tactful mm-hmm. fair enough but do you feel like it'd be better to be able to just be me and not have to worry second guess like do you, are you like I want to move away from that I want everyone to feel like they can be authentic I mean, ideally, yeah, but I, I recognize it's like very, it's difficult um, to navigate and uh, to get there, right? Um, essentially, like having that that adult relationship with your parents. Because um, I, I think that there's, um, it's a compromise, right? And like, there's, there's, there's things we lose or, or things we give up. And the, the person that you kind of have to shift into around your parents, you know, like people, you know, people who have unhealthy attachment styles or whatever trauma, like that's kind of where they learned it at home in that family unit. And so right. I think every time 
you go back or you be the person that you have to be to appease your family, you're essentially strengthening, strengthening those um, unhealthy attachment styles that you deal with in other relationships. Do you know what I mean? That's very true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like what they say, well, you can't heal in the environment that makes you sick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I've, I've thought about this stuff for a long time, just like when I was nine, you know, I moved to a really small white rural town mm-hmm. where I was, um, black. I was a black girl and I was in foster care and both of these things were really looked down on and the combination was pretty damning, you know, like, uh, and the really painful thing was knowing that my friends' parents didn't want them to be friends with me and didn't want wow. them, you know, to interact with me. And they're pretty open about that. And the parents so were, or just, your friends were open about your, that's what their parents thought. Both. Yeah. Like oh, wow. my best friend from grade four to eight, like I wasn't, I didn't go to her house for the first time until grade eight, you know, and I was so nervous and had to be like really impressed these all these adults around me right and it was it was just so interesting knowing these children who like love me think I'm so funny we have such a great time but they're they're not allowed right yeah that truth isn't allowed in their in their home and like you know romantically too like people that I had crushes on and liked me too but you know they knew their families wouldn't approve of of us being together especially like in a really small town um yeah damn that's a lot to yeah that's 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 stick with you I'd be raging all the time. I'd be so angry all the friggin' time. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's interesting. Um, yeah, I think like at a pretty young age, I was like decided that I, I was I was I was very angry at these adults for doing this, and I was like, well, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be better than their kids, and then what will they say? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think you have such a mature. Yeah, your outlook on things is so um, like mature like you don't you don't like I said I'd be angry and I'd be raging and I'm kind of very like revenge on you all like fuck you all but you're just so level-headed about it you're just like you know it's interesting and this is the way and I and you just turn it into how does you become a better person from it like you're so understanding and you're so compassionate and every time I talk to you about things you always have um like you don't give me advice you just give me uh, art that you're like hey you were talking about this thing that made me think of this or like have you heard this song and it always helps me so much and I'm like that's that's the like the answer you, you know I'm not I'm not looking I don't there's no solution and there's no and it's case by case but when you give me this piece of art that I can relate to that helps me so much oh I'm so glad to hear that I'm happy that it helps you <laughs> yeah yeah it totally does there's so many things that uh that I'm just like this is you've captured it you you uh this is all the things that I'm feeling in this like one song. And I guess it's that the kind of thing that you want to put out that all these feelings you have, you're like, I have this show and I have that. It's kind of like the stories that you want to tell. It's answering those, those weird questions and um, experiences that you've been trying to put into words. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Yeah. And I think that with my artistic process, like always in, in every medium that I'm doing, like I think a lot about it, like in my head for a long time before kind of spitting it all out. Um, and that's, yeah, that's kind of how it works. So I feel like, yeah, for the last few years, I've been thinking a lot about, uh, about families. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago, we talked about uh, the idea of like being great um, or creating great work and, uh, I've always had this like kind of feeling that I was like, once I accomplish the thing, like I have this idea that I have this big, big thing, this, my magnum opus. And then once I do that, then I'm like, I'm good. I, I, I'm in the clear. I can relax. Do you feel like you have that? Or do you just, is it different of like, I just want to continuously put out work or I just want to put out, yeah, creative content. Or is it that you have a one thing in mind? You're like, I want to finish this thing. Um, I think I used to feel like that a lot, or I I used to think that's the way it would work. But I think that kind of thinking that sort of perfectionism almost like just leads to so much fear, right, and procrastination around then doing that thing. And I feel like I've I felt that way about essays in the past that I was like, Oh, once I get this out, everything will be so much better, (laughs) you know, Um, and then I share the thing and it feels good. But 
you know, it, it doesn't quite work that way, I think. And so, yeah, I definitely want to get to a place where I'm just more comfortable, like constantly creating and sharing. And um, yeah, I think I took a break from sharing as much and got into that thinking of like, no, I'm going to work on this one thing. And then once I share it, I'll feel so good. And um, yeah, and I think that's a bit of an illusion. And so I kind of want to transition more and just, just sharing more consistently, um, which like I'm scared to do, but kind of know that's the next challenge for me, I think. Mm-hmm. And do you, uh, do you have works backed up of like, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. And, or is it kind of like, as you go, you're like, this is what's coming up in my life. And I'm going to create this content. You're not kind of like, oh, I'm going to do this thing that I've ha- been wanting to do for a while. It's just like what's happening in the moment, what you're able to do. Um, I think I kind of want to do um, the the former. Like I kind of, ideally, I I could be so, you know, planned out, but I think it often ends up being the latter, um, which is which is okay too. And I'm, uh, yeah, learning to be more okay with <laughs> just seeing what comes up when I can. Like, you know, I, I'm like depressed often and find it hard to, really sit down and like do the work I'm wanting to do. And so, yeah, just trying to be easier on myself and letting things come as they do. Yeah. When you are find yourself feeling depressed or feel de- symptoms of depression and you like you are, you still are a comedian. Do you force yourself to go out or, and do you feel that like doing that makes you better being on stage or do you just kind of like, shut yourself you're like no I'm taking a break from the outside world when I feel like this uh depends on how bad I'm feeling I think there's definitely been times when I'm I'm really down and you know I'll message the producer or whatever and like um say like I try to be pretty transparent say like oh I'm having a really bad mental health day today and people often like receive that really well I find Mm -hmm. um which is great um yeah, but sometimes I often do try to like, like I know that I'll probably, you know, feel better after seeing friends or are doing the show, then I'll go do it. Um, yeah, so I guess it depends on the, the severity of how bad I'm feeling. Yeah. If you could give, well, I'm trying to think of a good a pivotal, if you could give, if you could go back in time and you see 12-year-old Tianda and yeah, you get three lines, three sentences to say very, you have Mm -hmm. such a short amount of time. What are you telling that 12 year old Tianda? Hmm. Three things. Um, maybe the first one would be like, do what you want. I think I spent a lot of time as a teenager and a young adult, um, being scared to do what I actually wanted and being a sort of like uh, poster child for CAS, I felt a lot of pressure to keep up that image. And, you know, like I originally went to Queens to study physics. And uh, but deep down, I knew I wanted to do drama and like switching into drama was was really difficult and um, emotionally to do. And yeah, so I think I tell myself, like, just do what you want, <laughs> like go to school and study what you want. Don't feel so much pressure to, you know do things to impress institutions. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we hear that growing up so much too. Like, do, like don't do anything you don't want to do. Like, be yourself. And still, yet we find ourselves constantly doing things for others and not being able to be our authentic selves for fair reasons. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think I would tell myself that I was pretty um, and I was fine just the way I was. Like, growing up in Campbellford, I think, was really hard on – uh, my self-esteem and like I still really struggle with like self-image and body issues because mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. um, and so being able to hear that would be pretty like meaningful from myself now um, I remember in grade five like a boy came up to me at the school dance and was like or his friend came up to me and was like you know so-and-so like really likes you um, but he said like he'd like to dance with you but he can't because you're black and I was like okay like that's fair Oh, you know, I was so I was so like resigned and understanding. I was like, yeah, I get that. (laughs) 
That's so so I, I, up to I, like the as a kid to figure out what, like okay, okay, how are you not going to internalize that? Like what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to go back and say like, hey, like you're really pretty, and you know, and whatever. Fifteen years, all these people are going to be super into you and 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 getting butt shots and, and lip injections. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and um. Yeah, I guess just like a pretty basic one that it gets better, <laughs> you know, yeah. just like you're doing great. Waited out like foster care was pretty rough. <laughs> <And> <laughs> sometimes it was, you know, but uh, it was good knowing that like I would be out of it eventually, whatever, when I turned 18. And that was scary. But also, yeah, like this, this won't last forever. I think when you're a kid, like it, it's so hard being a kid. Time goes on forever. It feels like, you know, you'll never be free, but you will. Yeah. Yeah. I love those are three great things. Yeah. Uh, I think the just, yeah, the, the affirmations are really important. And I think that's what we try to do as adults, right? We just like try to self-soothe that inner, our inner child and tell ourselves the things that we wish we could have had someone say to us. And it's just like, you're trying, mm-hmm. you're doing your best. It it's, it's fun. It'll gets better. Yeah, you are pretty. Yeah. You are worthy of talking to and of being loved, and all that's so important. We're just trying to heal our little baby selves. That's true. Sure. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tia. Do you have anything you, uh, anything upcoming that you want to plug? You want to let the guests know any shows coming up you want them to see? Um, I'm not sure when this will be out, but next. Um, next week I'm producing a show at Collective Arts Brewery in Toronto, August 10th come out to that at eight o'clock and then i think in september that might become a monthly show or weekly so yeah check check out the collective arts instagram page and there'll be info about it there yay thank you thanks again to tianda the sonar network and bad dog comedy theater your support makes a difference and you can donate today by going to baddogtheater.com five things is produced by myself bad dog theater and we couldn't do it without our amazing tech sean murray i'm your host roshit doula thank you thanks sean Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.